0: What is up FIFA Tears? Hello and welcome back to the Free Foot Tears podcast Extra Time with myself LAJS with rad 86 and Mersgoth. How are we all doing on this fine evening?
1: Yeah, I'm, doing I'm loving it.
0: <laughs> yes indeed. So, we've got a few questions lined up this week that well, it's it's a week that covers a huge amount of controversy. We'll, we'll start off though with a FIFA based question this was sent on Twitter by our friends over at nothing but a foot thing podcast we will get straight into that question of your FIFA 23 starter team what league are you going for mainly obviously you can use anything you can do hybrid you can do whatever you want where are you focusing your energy
2: so I don't know if, if other people want to take this first because I feel like mine's going to be a really boring reply um because i feel like i'm probably gonna like it's gonna be dependent on what i get in packs so i'm not really um i've got no plans to do like a specific tailored rtg i've got no plans to center my channel around a player or anything like that so i'm kind of open to like if at the start because i will put points on at the start of the game i always do Mm -hmm. um but if i do manage to get like say i don't know let's just pick a player out so say i got the Bayern Munich Gravenberch, mm-hmm. okay, and he looks like a good card and I like him, then I probably will look to build like a, buy like a, a Bundesliga dutch g type hybrid type team, I suppose, but it all just depends on, on that. Maybe if I get like, what decent untradables i get that i think i want to use in the game um and obviously with chemistry and stuff being all different it'll be interesting to explore different ways of making hybrids and where i can get the most out of my team so nothing set for me as it stands um i've not seen too many of like potential cards and ratings i mean if i i would because like I'd, i've done it a little bit in the past i didn't do it as much because he's not very usable in game but if they made Haaland's card usable in game if if come fifa 23 he's usable then i would love to center my team around him again but um he just never he's always clunky even this new moments card feels clunky
0: oh i disagree with that and i also i also do enjoy Haaland. maybe because i've enjoyed Haaland's card all year I liked his gold card. His, his only weakness for me was that you had to get him on his left foot and he didn't have skills. So I say only weakness, that's two. I didn't mind how clunky he was. He was, he was a target man to aim for. He, he sort of changed games for, from a different way. It it depends on what kind of way you like to play. Whether you like to play skills, whether you like to have hold up, which Haaland was good for for me. I am known for using a certain man, therefore I have to build a certain way. So there will be Bundesliga in some influence. Cough, cough, scarf in background. But yeah, I, th- I think it's mainly going to be built around, say, an Andre Silva, I would want to get in Kunku. That was pretty much the buildings of my team. The entirety of the year 2021 for, for FIFA 22. Up to December, it was pretty much those two or, or bust in any team. But I'd like to think I'll do something stupid like I always do. So veer off in the direction of maybe the Portuguese League. Easy links with Portugal for Nation. Or or even go somewhere like... This isn't... This is actually sounding very unoriginal now. You know, veering over to the Ligue 1, There's going to be some OB cards there. Obviously, Renato Sanchez will be expected to be a fortune at the start of FIFA. I'd say a fortune. He's probably going to be... I reckon a board maybe he's gonna be eighty three, eighty four. because he's what is he standard now? Is he eight no, his eighty-two was the single signings, right? So he's probably like eighty, seventy-nine. So you, you might get an upgrade to an eighty-two or something, therefore be easy to pull. Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe you can build a build a cheap part of a team there. But it's mainly gonna be Bunsteiger focused.
1: As for me, I'll be running the two accounts, and I think on my second account, I think with the changes that they've made to the chemistry style, I think it's a perfect year to do a past and present. Because in previous years, when it gets to getting the past players and they're in an offshoot league, it's like, oh, it's a bit harder to get them in the team unless you're using former players that are now icon cards or something like that. So that freedom to now just put in someone like Erzl. Like From like this FIFA, you got the card, but I'm like, I really want to use it, but it's Turkish league, it's German, there's no real like Arsenal players that can link to him just to even have him on partial chemistry or something like that. And I haven't really had any icons except for like Thierry Henry. So it's like, now I can go, oh yeah, I can pop that into the team if I really want it, if he has a sort of half decent card come out. So the One team will start off with, like, the Arsenal players and maybe some former Arsenal players that, like, got some half-decent starter cards and then build from that. And then as for my main account, I'm probably just going to do a full-on pack to glory, basically. So just, like, first-owner players, uh, SBC players and stuff like that. So I'll just see whatever I get through the packs and stuff. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's a question: How much bias is there going to be on your uh, your Arsenal past and present? So, what I mean by that is the way they left is that going to factor in? So, Aubameyang now being at Chelsea, Van Persie's icon card is there going to be a place for cards like that, or is that going to be a bit bit of a sore spot? Do you reckon?
1: No, no, that, that that's perfectly fine. I don't mind. Like I like using Aubameyang in FIFA. If he gets uh, if I pack him or he has like a decent looking card. And I, want, and I can easily afford it, then I'm gonna get it. Van Persie's the same sort of situation. I mean, technically speaking, he spent most of his career at Arsenal. Yeah, sure, it was a bit of an annoying situation that he uh, went to Man United, but at the same time, players have got to do what they feel is right for their career at the same time. So, hey-ho, City and co. I will use. Uh, I'll use what, anybody that's played, like Fabregas, for instance. Again, played for mm-hmm. Chelsea. I'll happily use them. No, it's fine. It's as long as they've played for Chelsea, uh, Arsenal. Even if maybe even Kane he used to play for the youth setup and stuff like that.
0: It'd be, be a very interesting one to see sneak him in there. I won't lie, <laughs> <laughs> but that is. I guess the, uh, the first part of the question, thank you for submitting said question. The main situation we have to tackle is, well, VAR this week. Venom's come in with the question, and it is, if in if you're in charge of VAR, what would you change to make it work better? More who, who wants to lead on this? Because that's quite a bold topic, and relevant, but quite... Quite a big one to get into.
1: Who wants the lead? <laughs> I... I I mean, there's two, two, two ways of a, uh, approaching this answer. Competent on-field managers or... Man, uh, not managers. Referees. Referees. Or more competent referees in the, the room. Now, there was... Uh, we're talking about all the bad decisions that are made. There was actually one good decision that was made by a referee who... Was called up by the uh, VAR to have a look at something. Yeah. And rather than getting to changing his mind and going with the VAR, which is what has happened with a lot of the referees, he actually stuck to what he thought was the right decision. And he did. it was the right decision. Yeah. So kudos. Uh, what, what, is it Michael Oliver? What? Michael Oliver
2: was, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kudos to you for sticking to your guns and making the right decision and not joining the list of uh, other referees this weekend Uh, that have made god-awful decisions thanks to VAR.
2: So there's a couple of points about the main decision we're talking about, and it's talking about the person in the VAR booth being a more experienced referee and that influencing someone who's not as experienced. Now, if this is the case, then my question would be do we need to then change the way that works so does the more experienced referee have to be outfield and the inexperienced referee is just the one saying you need to come and have a look at this Um, because if they're going to have some pull on what is being done down in the game considering they're not on the pitch they're not part of the game in terms of like When I say like, you know, the feel of a game or how a game, how a game is played on pitch where like, say, for instance, certain derbies or certain teams, they are going to be physical games or it's the way they play and certain things you have to allow. So that means that challenges have a different threshold, then that decision can't really be made or influenced by somebody in the booth because they're not there and down on the pitch. So if that is the case, then that shouldn't be happening. But I'm with Mers. Like it, the the it doesn't the VAR. Let's be let's be right in saying VAR doesn't need to change. The concept, the idea of VAR doesn't need to be changed. What needs to happen is there are strict rules and guidelines on decisions and on what people should be doing, and they're not following them. The reason it's going wrong is because they're going against those strict guidelines, or they're finding these ever such slight grey areas that maybe do need a bit of ironing out and they're the things that are changing the game. Things that you know this, this phrase we keep hearing it clear and obvious, clear and obvious like they've that you know that is there's a lot of decisions that have been changed that are not clear and obvious fouls or not clear and obvious decisions to be changed. Um, so it's that sort of stuff that he's doing. It's not VAR VAR will work when it's used by the right people Um, in the right ways, basically.
0: So would you say something like the Erdegaard foul on Ericsson in the United games, an example of something that wasn't clear and obvious that did get changed as as one sort of incident?
2: I haven't seen, I didn't see that that game today. Um, So
0: so what happened there was in motion. Ericsson looks to have gone over somewhat softly. There is no contact with the ball from Erdegaard, but he's sort of, in slow motion, from a certain angle, you you can see that he catches him with his. With, I think he sort of catches him with his knee as he as he sort of goes around to try and get the ball, okay. and then Ericsson's falling over, in straight line, trying to look for the foul straight away. So he's definitely looking for it. Plays played on. It's it. I'd recommend you have a look at it and just it's the first thing on on sort of the highlights that okay. you will see. So whilst we sort of cover other things, so I. Let's talk about the Chelsea game with West Ham. Late goal scored by Corne.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A foot's left on the goalkeeper. I know goalkeepers are protective, but does that constitute a disallowed goal?
2: Not in a million years.
0: Because as, as a goalkeeper years. myself, I can definitely say there's been stuff where things, things favour. There was one. There was an outrageous one in, in my real-life situation. But I should have come for a cross, I haven't. I've just charged into someone and because I've hit the floor and rolled around a little bit I've been given a free kick rather than concealing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So our goalkeepers, I'll, I'll bring this on to a slightly side topic. Are goalkeepers overprotected? Or do you think they've got a reasonable amount of protection and if, if we sort of take away some of this, it'd lead to more injuries or, or, so, or what we
2: so we So got overprotected? It's got to be in certain situations, isn't it? So like we look at like that at the situation with Edison last week where they are saying like the ball wasn't released out of his hand, so that is a foul because he shouldn't be taking it away and it's not left his possession um that's why that got disallowed. So in that situation, the rules clearly state if the ball hasn't clearly left the hand, which as you saw it in slow motion, it was still looks like it was still attached to his fingertips or you certainly couldn't say for definite it is not attached to his fingertips anymore, um, then that case is different. But for me, for this, this this situation um, only looked worse for Mendy on VAR. So it slowed down, and you clearly see him look up and see, oh, I, I'm not, this is, you know, this is going to happen now, they're going to score, I'm going to go and hold my shoulder. But the actual contact was so, like, it was a graze, like a glaze of foot over his shoulder. Like it wasn't like he went in open studded or went in sliding him. Like it was barely even a brush and he's gone down. Like he's been shot in the shoulder. Um, Mm. And that's what, and that's what is, that is what has given it or has ended up being disallowed on the goal, which is ridiculous. So like, I think whilst goalkeepers are more protected and there are guidelines and rules around them that does do protect them more if that is going to VAR to look at that incident, that is clear as day to me that as he goes down and looks up to see that they've regained possession of the ball, he then lays back down and holds his shoulder.
0: Yeah. So so in talking of changes then, would you say one thing that could, if we're changing VAR and looking to improve it, do you think not showing it in as slow a detail, so things are taken almost out of context with how slow and We've seen on Twitter all the time that suddenly one person takes a still image of one particular bit and you'll see, oh, clearly this must be a red card tackle and then you see it in motion and it's not. Or mm-hmm. if something, do do you think then if we increase the speed of VAR, don't slow it down as much so that things are a bit more in context? You, you see them go at full speed. You show them it at full speed and then you show it really slowed down. Do you think if we reduce the slow-mo, would that improve things? Or or do you think that would be a waste of time and not not worth it?
1: They should definitely not rely so much on the slowed down footage. Like if if, if it's in case of they need to see it from a certain angle and using the slow down footage and uh okay, look at that, but at the same time mainly focus on the full speed of things because at the end of the day, it's um, a fast-paced game. You know things happened at a fast pace. You can act, like get a, uh, you could take a still image, like say for instance, and that image could show a little bit of contact with a player. So that does that mean that still image looks like that's a foul? Not necessarily. Like if you see a false pace, the. Person might have actually got 99% of the ball, but got that little 1% on the player. The player goes down, does a little bit of acting, makes it look like he's just, you know, being shot and stuff like that, like how Mendy did. And then it's like, oh, oh okay, it was, a, it was a foul. But then when you w- look at a full speed, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. It he, he, he was perfectly a good challenge and stuff like that. And in the situation with Bowen, right? He, 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 like, he, what what do you want him to do? Like, somehow do a massive leap over Mendy, like he's at the Olympics or something like that, doing uh, a high jump, high jump Simple or jump. something like that. Yeah, like at that pace, he, he's going to get a little bit of contact no matter what in that situation because he's trying to go for the ball mendy's trying to go for the ball and try and save and stuff like that so it's he has be taken those...
2: him out of the game has he he hasn't, Z- he hasn't exactly he hasn't hit him so much there that mendy couldn't physically get up and save that shot and then he's some just way... stayed down because it's the easiest thing to do knowing that mm. like I mean, because the thing is, right? Say, say, put it on the other side of that situation. If Mendy gets up from that, because let's not forget, it weren't like that ball came out and they shot straight away. He had to make, he had to make space. Um, Rhys James was closing him down, still trying to get there. So that would give Mendy time to scramble back into the goal line. That may change that whole, like form mm. of attack there he might look and think oh now I've, now Mendy's got back and goal and I've got a couple of defenders there I'm now going to look to square this or I'm going to look to do something else but it's just because Mendy stayed down is the reason why Cornet's been able to shoot from where he has so and that also plays into that that decision in general like he's he's only shot there because he's on the floor and he's only on the floor because he looked up and saw that Aston Villa were in possession uh, sorry West Ham were in possession and so that's
1: the other thing, referees don't even look at that bit. They don't no. look at like that section afterwards where they, they no. where if they looked at that, and saw Mendy clearly looking not holding on to himself just for about a few seconds, suddenly look to the ball, see this uh, assessing the situation isn't in his head essentially. And then he's gone, Oh, actually this does not look like a good situation. I don't know <laughs> if I can make it back up and stuff like that. And then suddenly. Then he clutches his arm and stuff, and it's yeah. a part of his arm yeah. that, in some ways, didn't even really get touched. No. He's like acting like his sh- shoulder's been dislocated or something. Yeah.
0: So what we're saying is, if, if to, to look at further situations, so I an, an example from years gone by, a famous one is almost like the uh, the Sergio Busquets peekaboo or the uh, the David Louise laughing by the corner flag when Fabio or Rafael can't remember which one. Kicks in by the corner flag, something like that for a reaction afterwards. Yeah, You'll see where it is. Almost like a looking for it and is then it
1: going Ronaldo, back down. Yeah, or it's, it's Ronaldo wink. Isn't Signe, yeah. I think has gone down before, and then the goal got scored, and then he suddenly got back up or something.
0: Oh, there's, there's many in account yeah. of someone getting straight up after a. a, a oh yeah, getting today, up straight away,
1: eating. running up, running
2: over to the corner flag to celebrate the goal. Suddenly you're not Ra- injured Rashford, anymore.
0: Rashford today comes to mind. So when when Rashford's gone down. Arsenal attacking, they're trying to get the ball out of play, and then suddenly the ball comes near him again. He's up on his feet, passing the ball around, and getting back involved again. Yeah. But to, to get back to the speed of the play, do do you, this. This is what I think. I think that if you slow down the play, you should only really do it on something like the Leeds penalty that wasn't given today. So what that is, if you've not seen that incident, it wasn't today. It was yesterday. But the point is it was on whether it was inside the box, the contact or not. Because the contact Mm -hmm. starts outside the box and they were checking... they, They ruled in the end that the contact did not happen in the box and it was not a penalty. Jesse Marsh gets sent off. That was ridiculous. So, do you think that that's when slow motion should be used for okay judging where does the contact begin slash in that case end does it end in the box is it outside the box and then he collapses into the box that could be when slow motion and and things like that are used and offsides etc for making sure the right frame when the ball leaves but when it comes to contact and fouls and red cards that it should be more in motion you're seeing the tackle as it happens at not full speed maybe not full speed but not to the levels they're slowing down to show individual little tiny touches.
1: Yes. That, that's what I think. Yeah. I,
0: I think that would probably be a better use.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know where the margin of error is, basically. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that that's correct. Like, the Trippier and Kevin De Bruyne situation, because obviously that was shown in slow speed, but when you look at a, a high speed, it's like Trippier is going for the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. So so, and uh, talking of VAR, there's there's a sort of question I think that's linked here. It's it's definitely someone trying to <clears throat> girk, try trying to take shots at Conor Cody and, and Liverpool here. He mentions we we mentioned it on the uh, the standard episode of the podcast released during the week, mm-hmm. but Conor Cody celebrating the way he did uh, against his boy club for out to the offside. What are your opinions on that? I'm going to take that in a completely different direction about the Richarlison situation where he got booked mm-hmm. for taking his shirt off and then he's actually, the goal's not been given, he's still got the yellow card. Do do we think that that should be a thing if if you're getting punished for, do, do you think that's something where the punishment, they've met the punishment, that's irrelevant whether the goal's been allowed like the referees have clearly done here or do you think goal's not happened, the celebration's technically not happened?
2: Yeah, How. I- how can you? How can you punish someone for reacting off something that you've now disallowed?
0: I mean, it's almost like the phase of play didn't exist. I guess. Yeah.
2: Hmm. So that that is backwards to me. Like you're basically you're punishing a guy for doing something that was a reaction of something that you're now saying didn't happen. So, I don't understand how he's still got a yellow card there. The yellow card is a reaction off a off a goal that you've now taken away, so you have to rescind the yellow card. Mm,
1: no, th- yeah, but no, the res- uh, we're talking about Rishardsson here, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's taking his, his, his shirt shirt on. off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he <laughs> yes, it's a reaction and stuff like that uh to a disallow goal and stuff, but the rules are you can't take your shirt off basically. So he's taking his shirt off. So whether or not it's a goal or not. He's he's essentially broken a rule, so he has to get given a yellow card. You can't you can't be like, Well, it's, it's been disallowed. You broke the rules. Ne- never mind. I won't give you the yellow card for it because it got overturned, basically. Rules are rules, basically.
0: I, I was gonna try and make a counter-argument of but then I remembered it's not the example I was gonna use doesn't work. I was gonna say if if an incident's not in play then would it not be deemed involved. But the one I thought of was LaMella and Martial in, in the Spurs Spurs United game when there's a corner and Lamella's hit the deck off of absolutely nothing and got Martial sent off. Controversial decision in its own right. But there was no penalty given afterwards because the ball wasn't in play. So it was a it was a separate incident. So mm-hmm. I I guess in that in that sense, then I, I'd probably agree that he's done a yellow card offence. It's a yellow card
2: Mm. whether yeah, what
0: happens is not relevant at that stage as much as entertainment, passion you're, you're going to see less passionate celebrations yeah. now and is did, that going to take away from the game in a separate way the thing, I think... the thing,
2: the thing <laughs> is that, that so that goal like in the, in this scenario what you've got is you've got the goal affects the game yeah so the goal mm-hmm. will have an impact on the game and that goal's been taken away likewise a yellow card has an impact on the game a yellow card makes him like change going in for certain challenges in a way that he might because he knows he hasn't got the backing of the fact that he's not got a yellow card anymore i just find that because one's a knock-on effect of the other they have to they have to it has to be rescinded like i get what you're saying there's like it is a yellow card offense but it's a yellow card offense of a circumstance that is now been rescinded or taken away um so i feel like that i think like i hate i hate saying it because we're saying like there shouldn't be any discretion but it's for taking a shirt off right it's not like mm-hmm. say for instance a scenario where they richarlison scored that goal and there went over and there was a bit of sh- uh, pushing and shoving um, with players afterwards because of that goal and they related in getting a yellow card and then you're talking about them rescinding because that falls under a different thing that's like violent conduct and things like that
0: I think I have something that can help you out of your argument here Brad an example of so if a person's caught offside and then the trippy, say, say the trippy tackle happens but turns out De Bruyne was offside the mm. yellow would be rescinded yes that that sort of a thing i think you're, is where you're looking to, that that's what i think you're trying to get at
2: well yeah that's see it like if, if yeah if like yeah it is yeah it is it's the same in my opinion it is the same
0: if someone commits a yellow card tackle and turns out the player was offside the yellow gets rescinded yeah why is it not the same for that and it was going to reduce the and that's for a tackle
2: that could actually injure a player still bear in mind but that yellow mm-hmm. that yellow card would still get rescinded yeah He's, this guy is just taking his shirt off. That's all he's done.
1: Mm. But maybe that's just where an adjustment of the rule book needs to be made.
0: Which is where I would have tackled VAR. Is help certain things? There's it, it definitely happened with a handball rule for a long while. Is there's discrepancies over what is and what isn't a handball, what isn't isn't an offside, how big the margin is. <sighs> it's things like that. It's, it's the fact that everything's so nothing's black and white no there's too a much lot gray. of gray whether they need to clamp down on on the rules in some shape or form there needs to be less gray area and they need whether that's then taking the fun out of football or everything's being over analyzed or under analyzed there needs to be less gray so yeah. in my opinion as much as the time thing I think would help it would probably also increase some gray area in a different way. The grey is the problem. VAR is yeah. not the problem. It's just that the rules don't align with VAR. Yeah. That mm-hmm. then you look at everything micro, tra- the micro situations that happen as a result. Ie Edison's issue last week. It will all come back to well, that's the rules, or well, yeah. the rules haven't been followed here. the The refereeing standards not good enough as much as I do and said on the previous podcast that it is a very difficult job and i don't envy them doing it the standard is not good enough
2: no it's a combination of the two isn't it yeah the if we get rid of the grayness and then actually also that maybe then one gives much more clarity to the referees but also will hopefully improve what is clearly just straight out incompetence at the moment Mm -hmm.
0: and if you change the rules then honestly You'll see you because a lot of arguments you see is oh well so and so got away with it in the past. Yeah, but the rules have changed. Yes. Is, is that and then it sets a new precedent. This is the precedent we're setting. As for what those rules are, oh I'm not even gonna get started on what that is. But for for me, that that would probably be the way to tackle it. The only issue of yellows is like Richardson's there is that could affect his availability, obviously, until the halfway stage in the season. Five-yard cards would get him a suspension. I believe yep. he's now on three, so that puts him even closer to a suspension. Mm-hmm. But moving on, we will go to our final question of the Q and A, and that will be coming from the nation's favourite GH. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, I, Who I heard dubbed that him name, right. By the way, <laughs> I just sarcastically <laughs> did, but. What we will say is actually is not an outrageous one from him. It's a fairly reasonable one. Might have even already technically been answered. But who would you say has been the best transfer in Europe this season? Oh, okay. Who, who wants question. to lead off with this? It's an actual question. It's nothing food based. We've not had anything food based for a while. Please, please contact us with your with your food based questions, as we do <laughs> like to have Brad talking about fruits and nuts. Yeah, Bobby. Who, who wants to lead off with this? Best transfer of the season? A- any 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 takers?
1: Ooh, uh all right. so it, there's an obvious one, but I don't want to say the obvious one, which is Haaland, basically. Yeah, let's all
2: stay but away from that. Let, yeah. let's, let's
0: all avoid Haaland. Okay, so excluding Mr. Oh, was it how many goals is it now in six ten. games? Nine, ten. Ten. ten? ten. Ten. Ten in six games. So let's let's just White Already slinkly. double digits. <laughs> Everyone else, yeah, this would normally take, but who's the closest person to him? Mitrovic, probably?
1: Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Or Tony, maybe.
0: <laughs> maybe uh, got three the other day, which we didn't even really address. That was uh, the only thing i mentioned about was the penalty incident, but <sighs> excluding Haaland, I'm tempted to say Sadio Mane as a shout. Yeah. I mean, you look you you look at what's happened to Liverpool pre and post Mane. You can't put everything about Mane leaving on this, but mm. the fact that he's settling into Germany fairly well at striker, replacing Lewandowski, and Liverpool are definitely spluttering.
2: Oh, without a it, doubt. I mean, it's... we talk about Mitrovic. Like, uh, I'm I'm going to say it right here, right now. Mitrovic will score more goals than any Liverpool forward.
0: I'm I'm here for you going this controversial, but geez, what do you think the spread between the forwards is gonna to be too much or? or I just think. How, just how be... many goals do you think Mitrovic is hitting? Actually, this is a starting point here.
2: I reckon maybe Mitrovic will get to maybe eighteen, nineteen.
0: You reckon eighteen, nineteen? So yeah. considering the seasons Liverpool have had in recent times, considering well, Salah's becoming more of a creator, I'm starting to notice he's passed the, it. an actual
1: he's past it Wow I mean he is certainly I would say sh- struggling a little bit like in terms of being the focal point or the end product especially at the moment
2: he's gonna uh, also he's gonna also become that thing where the longer and longer he goes the like more he struggles to get it to happen so he's gonna have,
1: struggle with his mojo. I will say, I'll tell you what then. Yeah. I,
2: let me let me change. I'll change it ever so slightly because obviously um, we've got to take into account that they'll have more competitions to play than Fulham. So um, Premier League, sorry. So I'll say Mitrovic okay. will oh, score more Premier League goals than any other Liverpool forward.
0: Interesting. I mean, he's got double Firmino and Diaz at the moment. I'm trying to see if there's any other Liverpool ones on three. It doesn't look like it. So at the moment it's Diaz and it is Firmino leading the charge with Nunez still on still on one. So oh yeah,
2: Nunez isn't going to get close.
0: Yeah. I I yeah. love how harsh you're being for a side that won nine 0 the other week.
2: I know, and Salah still didn't score. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like taking that, oh. trying to take that, that trying to take that goal line goal. But it was because it was a goal line goal. like It wasn't like he was like 20 yards out. He was basically inside the goal with your left foot because you haven't got a right is is insane. Like just tap it in with your right foot or just throw your body at it for God's sakes. You're, th- you're getting, It's getting this close now to having not scored considering how prolific he has been that you just throw everything at that. God, just like put down your shorts and whack your old todger out and uh, throw that at it. Like you can't. whatever you've got to just get that ball over the line I'm afraid but yeah he's 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 not gonna he's not he's not gonna score as many this season as he has done in previous seasons and Mitrovic is gonna outscore them all um in terms of my my yeah I mean we can't say Haaland and that I think I'm gonna go a little bit more because I think generally across the board I have said they're going to have a bad season, because I do believe they are going to have a bad season. I think that'll be Premier League and UCL, and so far, like it has looked a bit right before them. I still think they're going to come away with one of the best defensive sign-ins, and I'm going to say that uh, Koulibaly to Chelsea.
0: Interesting, especially considering he's had a red card already. He
2: has had a red card, yeah, but um, I just think that he is going to become like a, a talisman centre-back for them, because like they've had, they've found themselves in a position where they're basically having to change their whole defensive line, and I was really skeptical about it. But when I watched um, the Spurs game and watched like just kind of like seeing what his potential is going to be once he finds his feet in the Premier League a little bit, I just think he's going to be, yeah, I think he's going to be their their centre back talisman.
0: Okay. All right. I don't watch Definitely enough of like expect- other
2: leagues. Yeah. I don't watch enough of other leagues. Well no, I mean what I would have said if we weren't going to put him off the table as Haaland, but like we said, it's too easy and it's too obvious. Um but
0: yeah, there's Sitters and there's what Salamis the other the other week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with a goalkeeper. I'm going to say Dean Henderson to Nottingham Forest. Okay. Because I left field pick. I There's like 30,000 players
2: you could pick from the Forest. I
1: could, I, could, I could have picked like a choice of two different squads. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not Nottingham Forest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Dean Henderson in particular for them because of the pure fact that I believe the amount of saves that he will make, similar to when he was at Sheffield United, I think he's going to be the difference maker between how many clean sheets how many like l- less goals are going to concede versus like expected goals conceded and at the end of the season that is going to probably be the difference maker between them going down and them staying up and i think he's,
2: yeah he's definitely going to keep the tally down isn't he
1: yeah exactly and he's going to help them collect those points along the way that will get them to like that sort of like 40 points I think they say is like the safety mark basically mm-hmm. within oh. the Premier League so I reckon he is basically going to be that difference maker for them
2: I don't disagree with that shout
1: okay i
0: um, about to say in the same vein Necco Williams is also a shout for for, for that Neco Williams had a good start to the season coming in with assists been solid defensively
1: Mhm.
0: So you could argue one of the 21 different signings that Forest <laughs> made but those yeah. those two those two seem like the the early standouts at least. Yeah.
2: What I was going to what I was going to say to you and I'd forgot to sort of um mention this but now I've mentioned about Salah like with the struggling to, to score goals and that is like do you start to see this becoming a thing with Son?
0: Um like,
2: he's come so close obviously this weekend. Um, this
0: weekend the weekend before he's, he's doing everything right but the finish but the finish so yeah. the still
2: which is good to see but do you, do you think it becomes a point where it starts to like get in his head a little bit
0: i think it's already in his head very much so i think six games in it's definitely in more than the back of his mind it's probably more the frontal lobe but mm-hmm. i i'm honestly and this isn't even me being harsh i'm calling for him to be on the bench and to come on Okay. Yeah. As much as his influence of him and Kane is huge for how Tottenham have been the last probably three, three odd years, I, I I think Richarlison, with the energy he showed in the Fulham game, Richarlison comfortably manned the match in that game. Yeah. He was everywhere, didn't stop running from the first to the last whistle, got himself an assist. Might have looked like he was going to have the ball stuck at his feet, but he got it off to Hoiberg on the 1 2 had his own goal but it was offside we've spoken about the celebration and how that's not gone well for him but yeah he's but he seems to be it. linking up with Kane
2: really well already like exactly. he's in
0: really good form and getting him behind and even even when he came up so games have changed when he's come on the pitch yeah that's the first time he started but when he came on against Chelsea Chelsea seemed rattled for a few minutes they didn't collect themselves and made it 2-1 but but he ended up being part of what caused us to get the goal back. Yeah, it was almost something different coming at the team. Yeah, in in every time I've seen him, he's looked good. And as much as sixty million seemed like an outrageous jaw, it's actually. I'm starting to. I'm st- I'm sticking with Mane by the way, but he's an underrated signing. I believe people look at at uh, uh, Richardson go 60 million for a bench option I call him a bench option he's been great off the bench and he's been great starting now yeah. so I, as much as he's not got a goal he's got two assists the class one against Forest last week he's got the one this week which is just a simple layoff but he's influencing games and Son at the moment isn't and I think more than anything Firstly Spurs need to rotate anyway because we've got a European game then we've got City at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Spurs are going to desperately need to rotate at the moment. And I think if you rest Son not even rest him, if you I won't use the term rest if you bench Son and then bring him on it's almost like a almost like a shock to the system because he's he's playing poorly in terms of finishing and he's still starting. He's still being called upon regularly. Yeah. It's almost like a statement to him. It's not like he's. Maybe in terms of Tottenham, he is. It's like when Ten Hag starting benching Ronaldo. It's a bold statement and it sends a message to the player. Yeah. That we expect more of you. You need to deliver.
2: Yeah. You have to. Rather
0: than just being a birthright of starting.
2: Well, yeah, because you can't, like, there's only a certain amount you can, like, wait for that player to do what you need them to do you can't like you don't want to knock the confidence out of them but at the same time you can't keep playing them and then not giving you what you've paid them for what they're you know what they're meant to be doing on the pitch and you know he's probably had he's had his games now is not he? he's had his chances um and and as it happens and i think you know this might be this might be a different case in a different conversation if son hasn't hit the ground running about richarlison don't get me wrong richarlison like you say has performed so pretty well so far in a tottenham shirt um but if you know son does some of the things that he's doing maybe it's not as much of a focal point but because of son's performance it is now do we then think yeah this is the time to now think well actually i'm going to bench this guy not to not to just stick the nail in the coffin, as it were, or anything like that. I'm just going to do it to let him know that he needs to put in that little bit more effort. And once he gets himself off the mark, then, you know, we'll be back.
0: Potentially. But it, he, he just feels like he needs that, that almost like an extra bit of help. He needs something, whether it's a shock to the system. He's I don't want to start getting on a bandwagon and start hating on the guy. No. The guy's been incredible for us. Yeah, I'm not even not going to sugarcoat it. They they're the they're the most influential pairing in Premier League history in terms of statistically proven.
1: Yeah, value, yeah, yeah. Definitely. People
0: hadn't been together as much, or others could have done better if they had spent longer together. But they are the record holders for most contributions between them between themselves. So, at this point, it's not working. Hopefully, give him a wake up call, and that brings him back. Yeah. Mm-hmm and, and may, maybe it is he needs a rest even though there was obviously the whole of preseason. maybe he's still fatigued let's not forget Kane got off to a horrific start when stuff was going around in his head about whether he wanted to leave or not and he still went on to have a great season so I'm not saying yes. this season's written off the song but I do think he needs that little, that little shock just to get him almost try and click his head back in the gear get him working a bit harder in training focusing a bit more on finishing and With how things are going, as much as saying to drop him against... He's always been the one that turns up against City. Mm -hmm. Apart from the last time out, in which he still was very influential, he was the one that squared it for Kudusevsky for the opener. He's always influential against City. It would be a bold, bold move to drop him for that game. Yeah. So maybe drop him for the European night, which I think is against... I could be wrong, I think it's Marseille as the opener. But maybe drop him for that game. See how he goes. If he's still not in form, you might have to drop him for the City game. But, yeah, it's it's not something I envy Antonio Conte for is is a, is a big decision like that. No. But that's what he gets paid the big bucks for. So, i sure it's the right thing. And, uh, and he'll come out the other side better.
2: Yeah. And like you say, like, the thing is, if you do that with him, and he ends up, like, coming on as a sub and getting, like, a seriously important winner, then, ev- then like, balance is restored, isn't it? Everything's Everything's been done. He suddenly feels, you know, like he's back, and he's made a massive difference, and then it's all been worth it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So... It- it sends a message and sort of gets him to buck up his ideas. And and talking of sending messages, remember, you can submit questions yourself each week. If you want to have your featured question, there is the Discord, there is the Twitter. Get in contact with us and send us your questions because we do appreciate every question is sent in. and Try and answer as many of them as we can if they've not already been answered or if it's been a long while. The, the opinions have changed, maybe we'll answer them again. But that has been all for this episode of extra time i hope you've enjoyed it i know i have merz brown i don't know about you
2: yep always a pleasure never a chore
0: yeah as always yeah. and we will see you <laughs> next week for another episode peace bye out guys bye,
2: bye, bye.